Hello, my name is Danny Cook, and welcome to another episode of the Coaches Podcast. Coaches Club Podcast brought to you by halftimecupper.com. We're back and uh, we're back at it again with another coaching journey. And uh, I'm really honored and privileged to be joined by a really good friend and a great coach of mine, Rob Amanzi. Rob, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Danny. How are you today? Yeah, not bad. Not bad, thank you. Yeah, you've been up to much? Uh, <laughs> in these quarantine times. Um, a lot of listening to, to podcasts, um, ironically, um, and I guess resting and Enjoying the weather, we have a garden at the house, so it's been in the garden for a bit. How about you? Yeah, I mean, not not an awful lot. I'm trying to keep myself busy, coaching wise. Uh, it's Excellent. hard when it's it's hard when you're not having any sessions and you can't go out and deliver anything. So um, myself, obviously Harry and a couple others, we're we're putting stuff together, but it, it just doesn't feel the same as going out and 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 delivering. Uh, a session um and uh yeah i miss football i miss football an awful you, lot you can do the Mourinho. you could get a secret session with some of your plays <laughs> at local park um so you know one catches you but i'm, I'm not endorsing that by the way i'm just putting it out yeah, there <laughs> yeah not not on this uh this this incredibly popular uh podcast this world known <laughs> podcast <laughs> um anyway yeah rob let's crack straight into it um Let's talk about your coaching story. Um, you're, you're a coach that I had, as I said, the pleasure to work with and uh, someone I got to know really, really well. Um, so I think you've got a great story and I think people listening in would like to hear it as well. So uh, let's start from the very, very beginning, Rob. Uh, what? I'll rephrase that. How did you get into coaching? <laughs> um, I think, first of all, thank you for that intro. It's very kind of you to kind of, I guess say that there's something that people I'd be interested in to be honest with you until you proposed doing this podcast I never really thought about my football journey um I listened to the brilliant one you did with with Mo um a couple of weeks ago it's really well done and he's just so varied you so many different clubs and really from a young age to where he is now uh, he's 29 now reaching 30 he's you know, he's since a teenager my story or I guess my journey is a bit of a different one to that because I guess I'm maybe offering hope, I think, or maybe belief to those who are late developers, because I didn't even get into coaching until the age of 30. So um, for me, I didn't do the, the proverbial route of you know, leaving college or sixth form or uni and getting involved in it. It was more a case of um, the crossroads in my life, I would say. Um, needed to do something different, was happy in my job, wanted to challenge myself and take on a new skill. It was either teaching or coaching. And yeah. teaching was far too much hard work. I've <laughs> done PGCE and loads of studying. And I thought, let me let me see the coaching route. I was trained myself, obviously, but um, wasn't really sure what what it would lead to. So um, did my level one, um, obviously that's as we start off with, really. And then kind of volunteered my time after that with working with schools. Yeah. So did you? Sorry, did you do your level one um, with, before you even sort of? made contact with any clubs you just wanted to, to get exactly, the qualification yeah exactly yeah so i kind of thought it was straight like a linear process where getting level one and then that's like a stamp is all worth to say yeah i'm not qualified it, it technically isn't you can do it without a level one um but there's no harm in going through the traditional route and obviously you know acquiring skills and improving your knowledge base 
Um, so yeah, and a friend of mine at the time uh, was working as a TA, teacher assistant within a school in the Wembley area, primary school. Um, he had Byron Court a shout out because that's a school and they helped me out a lot. And I, I was volunteered my time. As you can imagine, with the education sector, um, they're quite short on staff and resources. So to have someone who's been uh, DBS checked and is keen to volunteer their time to do, basically do their after schools club, which is what they had space for, um, was really good for them. And it was great good for me as well because it gave me a, a bit of a grounding pool on you know, for an hour and a half of working with eight, nine-year-old boys and girls and just doing various like sports from like tennis and baseball and rounders to football as well so that that was my kind of first real touch of how coaching works oh wow so you got a chance to do other sports as well as football that's that's yeah, incredible yeah which was helpful yeah um what, <laughs> slightly off topic but which which one of those did you enjoy the most uh, i thought was the one that i kind of went there to do um but i think the athletics part of it because it's very simple you know you put some some hurdles and you get like a, a, a race for with high, high hurdles. There's like a long jump there. The school's really were sun pit. It's all set up. But you have your like mini Olympics really. So oh, I was doing that like like twice or three times a week, working with the kids and doing that. And that, that was fun because it's completely different to what I thought I'd be doing, but still quite engaging and still quite a difficult area because obviously different skill levels there and think else. So that was quite fun. The athletic spurt. Oh, fantastic. And uh, I guess jumping back a little bit here, um, you're, so obviously you came into to coaching, as you say, quite late, but did you have any any sort of um, playing experience in your in your younger days? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a long time ago. Thanks, Danny. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't quite mean it like that. That was badly phrased. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> Carry on. No, pages. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, that was a good question, actually, because I guess that faded in my mind because I also came through the the system, per se. I, I was someone who was playing youth football from the age of about 11 to about 15 or 16 with various different teams. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, but this is very much in the day where it was so once a week, a Saturday morning, you have a game on a Sunday, train for an hour, and that was it. You didn't really have much connection with your coach or your teammates. Right? This is before social media or kids having mobile phones when they were young so it was quite abstract really but that was my first I guess taste of of youth football and grassroots and that was certainly what was a trigger for me to get back into it at older age. Oh that's interesting did did anything or any coaches you worked with at the time sort of inspire you to want to come back later and, and coach? Mm, well specifically no no I mean I, I enjoyed that period of time of my life um, and it was very fun I think when you're young as you obviously that you you go through just as well I know and anyone listening who is a coach, it's very enjoyable to to play in that age group and to be part of a team and a group. But I had so many different coaches to be honest with you. I think that like there were so many different ones during the season that I couldn't really say there was like a mentor at that age who I had or a role model. Um really. I got into it more because I spoke to friends at the time who were within sport and they said to me that it might be suitable for you. That was more of the trigger really. Oh, brilliant. Okay, so um, let's go back to to the point where you left us at, which was the primary school or the school you was helping out um, with all the sports. Uh, where what's your next step from there? Yeah, so this this is a kind of like a bit of a, a sliding doors moment because I don't think I'll be with you right now having this chat on the phone or working with with Kendra Football Club is where I ended up um, if I didn't kind of speak to certain people. So long story short. Um, 
I was unsure to do next because I was volunteered for like a bit of a summer like for like the June really as the school was finishing up um, before some holidays. I was kind of looking to get into sports development and coaching and to work at grassroots. So I spoke to a friend in the previous job in the charity sector who knew um, an SDO, a sports development officer somewhere, and said, like, can I get some advice, please? And I mentioned the phone to him that, oh, I've been working with a school in Wembley Park. I attempted to make myself seem viable to take on, really. I've got like a, like a phone interview. And he said, oh, I know someone called Juliano who's based in Wembley Park, who's got a club called Kindra. And that was the first kind of message I had with someone. He gave me Yule's number. I messaged Yule. You invited me down to Kindra. And the rest is history, really. Like, if I didn't speak to that person at the time, I could be at any different club right now. Um, but that first call I made was um, to that friend who probably flew to you all. And, yeah, that's how I con- got connected with Kindra. Wow. We're certainly very lucky to have you here. That's for certain. Oh, um, you, Danny. No, not a problem. So you got in contact with Yule, um, who obviously, for those listening in, he was the... Um, <laughs> the same gentleman that came up in most coaching stories yeah. as well. So uh, there's a, there's a lot of crossover, but that's great. Um, I think we could, we can kind of see the direction we're all going in as a, as a collective. So um, yeah. So you, you met with you and then what happened from there? Yeah. So that, that was really tense for me. I was so nervous because um, I've done my level one, I've done a bit of coaching with like a school environment, but I was very raw so I, I had no real kind of knowledge of how the like, system works within a club. Even though I've been in it as a, as a teenager, as you spoke about earlier, I didn't know how to do it as a coach. So I met with you, had a chat with him, and he just said to me, Rob, there's a session going on, I think, tomorrow or, or in a couple of days' time. A couple of coaches there that will talk to you. Go down, see if you like it, and go from there. Um, and anyone who has met Juliano, um, he's quite a big presence. So I, I immediately felt very comfortable in that presence with him. He very enthusiastic and very passionate and was a really good chairman. So I kind of thought, okay, let me go down and see what happens and then go from there. Um, and then I went down and watched a session, got to talk to a couple of coaches and then got a really good vibe, I think, from those first couple of minutes talking to them. There's a real energy and buzz there and everyone was quite supportive, the players. I thought, wow, this, this, this club feels really, really good. And it just sort of blossomed from there then, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So that summer, so like it was pretty much July at this point. So I only did my level one like a month before, really. Um, so it was all very quick in my mind, anyway. Yeah. And they, um, during the summer, can you see like like a summer school on the variation? Um, and for me, that was just perfect. I was really fortunate to be there at that time because there was like 10, 11, 12, 13, oh, yeah, like 15 or 16 year olds, boys and girls doing fun sessions basically from like two or three o'clock in the afternoon to the evening. Um, I was doing like three or four hours per day, like three or four times a week. And that was like a really big like um, learning pool for me to get work with kids, both genders, see the session plan. That's been really like evolved, I think. I, I got thrown in, I was given so much support, and that was really good for me, those, those first three or four weeks working there at summer school session. Yeah, great experience, that. Great experience. Um, so that must have set you in, in good stead for... Uh, when you moved on to obviously when you started working with a fixed team um was that shortly after this this the summer camp uh program yeah yeah pretty much so the, the summer camp finished i guess like mid-august and then everyone goes on holidays etc 
And then it got to early September when it came back for the start of the season. At that point, I hadn't really spoken to anyone about what was going to happen next. Um, I was very green, so to speak. I was very new to it all. I wanted to kind of be a sponge, a listen. So it was around about that time, September, when we came back, that you all suggested that I work with a guy, who I know Mo mentioned, a guy called Saj, who was coaching the under-11 team, I think, at the time, under-11 boys team. Um, and he asked if I'd like to assist him or look at him. Well, yeah, sure, why not? Oh, well, Bobby Saj, he's a good guy, a Liverpool fan, so I knew straight away that <laughs> he had sense. Um, and yeah, that, that, that was my first introduction of working with a team that, that season was working with the under 11 boys. Oh, fantastic. And the, I guess that, that initial um, few sessions where you, you, you're working with Saj, how was that? Was it quite quite easy um, and seamless for you both to sort of be on the same page or was you learning from him? Um, how, how was that dynamic, you and Saj? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I think it's more the latter now I think back to it. I mean, it was almost seven years ago. Uh, yeah, it is seven years ago. Um, more the latter. I think I was literally watching, learning, observing. Um, I was very enthusiastic. <laughs> um, I think going back, then, I really wanted to help and be hands-on. But I realised that, you know, he he's so experienced at the time, Serge, that I need to kind of sit back and see how he conducts it. Not even necessarily the session plan they delivered, it's the tone of voice, it's the inflection of the voice, it's the quality people in certain times, give them one-to-ones, it's the break times, it's the timing, it's the kind of holding everyone at court, basically, when you're speaking and getting them engaged. It's enjoyment. There's so many small little aspects of his coaching style that I thought okay I need to remember this and almost almost copyright it for myself I think I think because <laughs> I do a, a version like this but tweak it um when I help out but yeah it was very much a, a hands-off situation that's what's going to learn and watch from him and assist where needed that's great that's great I mean to to be able to obviously learn off another coach um is really really beneficial and certainly something that I did obviously with yourself um so yeah i i I can 100 see the benefits of that the i guess in terms of what you picked up from there obviously stood you in really good stead for where where, (laughs) when you were further down the line (laughs) with me yeah um so yeah talk to me about that first first season then you was with that team oh geez (laughs) i listened to mo do this earlier um that's his podcast, and I'm gonna do it for me now. That first season, I don't because I know Dan, you, your coach story, that's from low stopping, um, um, and from a very young age. Um, for me, um, because I was obviously, I kind of felt as if you know, I was coming in, and because my age, I had maybe life skills I could kind of apply to coaching, and I wanted to help out, but it was really overawed. I was really overawed by it all. And what I mean by that, that's not really negative, it was more the fact that. I didn't know how kids were, like, to coach. Like, they're so different. Some of them were really excitable and hyper. Some of them were really quiet and quite withdrawn. Some of them were exceptional at football. Some of them not so much. And I think it was just learning how to deal with all of that. Um, and what I did for that first season is um, Sad would take the majority of the players and I was, as I mentioned, help out. And then on Saturday mornings, we were in something called the Regents Park League, which is still going on right now. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm listening. How it works is that on Saturday mornings, age groups are playing against other teams all on Regents Park. Um, and I had a seven side team that I was working with, which basically some of the players that we were working with 
So some of them will play on Saturday morning, and some of them will play on Sunday mornings in our youth league. So that was a really good uh, opportunity for me just to kind of get a bit of a, a learning experience of just having the team every Saturday morning, same place, same time, lovely routine, seven aside, so you can just basically work on systems and shape, but it's not too challenging for someone who's new to it like I was. Um, and that was really, really fun. And then on the Sundays, it was very much, you know, back to being assistant again, learning from Sag, 11 sides um, pitches, big, big games, you know, tactics, formations, play development. Um, and that was a really fun season because I just learned so much in the space of like 12 months. It was so, so good. So on that Saturday, or on, or on the Saturdays rather, um, you would be by yourself? Regions. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I, I don't know what the club were thinking at the time because like, I, I looked so like, <laughs> out of my depth. I think I'm just so at the time. <laughs> no, because I, I didn't know what I was doing. Like some of us argue, I don't know now, but certainly back then I was like, oh, I, I was kind of wing a little bit. But then you, you work out if you if you're a football fan and if you've mentioned if you've played your football before yourself, then you know, know how to how to talk to players, how to do a team talk. I started giving me little chats on a Friday night, like, go, oh, Rob, maybe work on this, maybe work on that. Um, but, yeah, anyone who wants to kind of get into your football, I would definitely suggest, you know, any sort of seven-side environment, because um, it's really fun just to work in a small space, a small area, um, and just let the boys have, or the girls have so touches as they can, um, and go with there. But, yeah, I was, I was on my own, left to throw devices every Saturday morning for a season. How was the parents? <laughs> I'm laughing because that's probably the biggest challenge, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I'm sure anyone listening to the coach probably nod their head in agreement um, to say that. Um, they, they were difficult. I think some of them were just not particularly fussed because they cared more about the Sunday morning because that was the bigger league, the Harry, the, um, the Harry Youth League. Business Park was just more fun kickabout. Did you get um, the same... Sorry, did you get the same attitude filter into the boys at all? Like, did did you notice any difference between the boys across That's the two days? That's a great question. This is what well, you do. Sorry. Doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did actually. Um, so some of them, because they didn't play often on Sunday, because their ability level maybe wasn't there, they took Saturdays very seriously. And yeah. some of the better ones who were, I guess, forced to play on Saturday because we needed them to play, would just give so much attitude. Um, but that's, I mean, for me, it was difficult, obviously, because I didn't have to speak to the children or to parents at that stage because I hadn't coached a team before. Um, but I tell you what, it really gave me a strong um, opportunity to learn and to adjust and to adapt. Um, so it's small little things like, you know, just pulling people to one side and explaining to them what the ethos of the club is and why we do this. It speak to parents one-on-one before the games and after the games and kind of ask for feedback and support. Um, and it was just that kind of engagement that I thought to myself, I didn't really have in me. Once I started doing it, I started thinking, okay, no, I actually sound as if I know what I'm doing here, and I actually do know what I'm doing. And these players need to kind of listen a bit more about what I have to give. And parents also need to be supportive for the club. And, you know, it's where you get there. Not everyone's going to be on board with what you want to do. But I think as long as you communicate yourself well enough and you're respectful enough to them as in players and parents, you usually get a decent response and we did towards the end thankfully what was the biggest thing that you learned in that that first season Mm. i think commitment i think the fact that the players saw me every tuesday and every friday i think it was i coached that time 
every Saturday morning, every Sunday morning. That's, that's four days a week out of seven that I was there. And then the players started to make sure that they were there. Obviously, Sajj was a big factor in that as well. But I, I realised that you know, if you don't do this properly, you don't commit yourself to it, even as a volunteer, you're not going to get anywhere. Those children, even at age 11, are smart. If they see you being half-hearted, then they'll react that way as well. Um, but I think I slowly won over their trust and their respect towards the end of the season through my commitment to the cause. That's great points there. And I, I liked, because actually I was going to throw in a bit of a curveball and try and find out why you, you think it's important. Um, but I think you, you've nailed it there in terms of the players also sharing that that um, appreciation and understanding that by seeing you there, your commitment level's obviously top-notch as always. Um, but seeing you committed to the team, that they'll feel just as invested into the team as possible. Um, so, okay, moving on then. So that first season, how did things end up and transfer over to the second season? Okay. Um, so thinking back, I think we, we filled that season quite well. Uh, I think we got second or third in the league and we had a lot of fun in the Regents Park League. Um, and I think what you all did really, really well, looking back at it, is that you could, you gave me a lot of a, a chance for my pathway as a coach, really, because you didn't ask me, you know, you'd like to work with a different coach next season, you know, just to give you a bit more of a, a varied approach to coaching. Um, and Sad was very much like a hands on, you know, play to player, um, very structured in session plans. Um, and then he thought, maybe talking about Mo, um, who's we interviewed uh, at a podcast with recently. Might be a good person for me to work through with my second season. Um, and Mo and Sad coach very, very differently. Um, Mo is very technique based, um, and that was position really. I went from a coach who was very much about the group and then about individuals. Someone who I felt was very much about the individuals and each player developing them in turn developing the team. But that was my second season working very closely with Mo, who was coaching. I think that was under 11 team again. So I had two years with him under 11 team, basically. Yeah. Did they do the same thing? Did they have a, a team in Regents or was it just Harry Youth League that year? Do, do you remember? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a shame. I'm, I'm laughing because I, I gave it such a big praise a minute ago, Harry Youth, so, um, the Regents Bottle League. But the, the feeling within the club was that it was very much um, very poorly run. Sometimes you get there and teams might forfeit, but you wouldn't know until you arrived. Hard to find with the pitch to really play that particular day, and I think the issue of have that level and coaches listening will probably appreciate this is that when it's seven aside or five aside, because some of them were five aside as well for the younger age groups, uh, there'll be one or two players who are really really good, and then there are three or four who aren't, and there's two players who you just run the game by running from one of the pitch to the other and scoring. Um, so what usually happen is that there'll be a feeling of not really much player development there. Because yeah. it wouldn't be about, you know, it wouldn't be about the passing or the movement of the ball or shape or teamwork. It'd just be like, give it to the big kid and he'll run through and score. So the, I think the club made a pretty much decision around at that time to kind of pull out of the Regents Park League, which was a shame because it's where I cut my teeth as a coach. But I can understand the decision why they did that. So, yeah, that, that, that went by season two when I was at the club. Okay, so you're now fully focused on Harrow Youth League uh, with Mo, yeah. who obviously is a coach that I, I've worked with as well. Um, and I think you're definitely right. You've, you've hit the nail on the head with the, the technical focus. Um, I mean, how were those sessions? Because I'm sure they were a lot of fun as well. 
Yeah, yeah. A lot of them are quite intense because Mo is so intelligent that um, it's like, I mean, Sadie's a great coach, but I think I did a lot more, like I mentioned earlier, watching and observing and very little coaching that first season, which is fair. But my, my second season, Mo gave me a lot more responsibility. Um, and it was I found it quite tricky because it was very technical stuff that I was learning and I was going along. Um, but it was a lot of fun because the, the plays were engaged. It was a high level of quality. Uh, everyone was so respectful and polite. Um, and it was a lovely environment there. Um, a lot of the players were from um, school that I was like, you know, very well, and the <laughs> does, the club does, which is member school in London, ASL. Um, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of the players were from that, that particular school um, in the club. So there was, a, there was a bit of a community aspect in that, as the parents of the players all knew each other quite well. Um, and it was a good environment to be working in. Certainly for me, my second season, that felt like a good step. Like it was very different, but also the same, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And um, how did you keep up then with all the, you said about having to learn things, or I guess on the fly, on the job sort of thing. How did how did you how did you cope with that? Did you have to do any research outside of your sessions? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. So I would give homework. So you say like, this is what we're going to work on next week, and, and this is what I'd like you to do. Um, and you'll give me some coaching points, and then you'll mention on some websites or some links, or he'll be quite creative and say like devise your own. So he can't give you bullet points like play from the back. We're going to keep the two touches. We're going to keep it within the perimeter. What do you think we should do? I'm like, uh, uh, and then I have to sit down and kind of think about it and then map out on a notepad. That's when I really started making notes myself and putting plans together. That was really that season there. So, yeah, that's how I kind of... I went from learning on the fly to kind of going home and then reading through my notes and thinking, right, if I do that session again, how will I do it differently? But these be done differently. So can I improve it? Can I tweak it? Can I progress it? Etc. So that was my kind of involvement with Mo in season two. Oh, brilliant! So that's where you started to to add in that sort of self reflection. Um, exactly. Yes. Yes. Very much yeah. so. And what you know, a lot of people say self reflection is is really important when it comes to coaching. Uh, is that something you you agree with and and you you've experienced yourself and you you think is beneficial? Yeah, I do. I, th- I think. I think it's because it's you know it's, it's easy to sometimes forget sometimes what you do because especially if you're coaching more than twice a week, say three times a week, or um, you've got games on the weekend as well, and you sometimes lose track of what you've worked on and what you've done. And I think self-reflection is a really good way to to review and take stock of what you've done and what you go to do as well to plan. Uh, and also, I think we have to be honest with ourselves. So we've all done sessions that we know hasn't gone as well as we'd like it to have gone for various reasons, right? Um, yeah. but it's not so much about being hard on yourself thinking oh, that was terrible it's more about right so if that scenario happens again what can I do to, to mitigate that maybe if it was issue with the size maybe I should put them in two groups rather than one and then that way second group can have a smaller size and the big and the other group can have a larger size or you know, if it was a session where someone was disruptive you know maybe right at the beginning of the session put the play to one side and have a chat with them so they think I can get by and not have to speak to one to one because I'm so busy. It's small little things like that. I feel that you can kind of learn about yourself from self reflection. Mm. I feel I, again. I feel you, you've nailed it in terms of uh, the the focus of that because um, I don't know about you. I'm sure we sure other coaches may be listening in have had this same experience where you'd come away from a session and yeah, it may have been okay, but you, it doesn't quite sit right. Um, yeah, and yeah. Just having that reflection 
uh, could really help. And as you say, and I think is probably the most important bit is uh, not so much why, it, as in not so much um, like beating yourself up over uh, the fact it went wrong is more focusing on uh, what you would do different next time. I think that's really crucial uh, going forwards. Uh, I don't know if that's something that you you agree with there, Rob. Yeah, um, yeah, completely. Yeah, the words out my mouth there is exactly. Yeah. We can always improve, strive to be better. And uh, moving on from there then, uh, so end of that second season, how did that, that look for you? That was that was great. I think, I think Mo touched on it earlier. So if someone listened to Mo's podcast already, I won't say too much. But I think if it's second in the league that season, which was great, you got got a trophy for that. And oh, I'm wow. all about you know even second place to me is an achievement in, in a ten team league. That's great under under twelve level. Um, I, I even got a trophy myself, not a trophy, a little medal at the end of it. That's all look at every so often. You know, as a coach, you get any of these, do you? Unless you like. No. Oh, had to be level coach at the end season, but I was pretty cool to see that. Um, like, like I said, it's, it was such a fun season because a lot of the players who you and I worked with, and we'll come on to that later on, I hope yeah. we worked together um, two seasons, no, three seasons on actually. Um, but a lot of those players are actually in that team with Mo in that second year, so it was almost like I could see the progression there already. You think, wow, these players are redeveloping. Um, and yeah, yeah, we ended the season really, really well. Got to a, a semi-final of a cup, I believe, that season as well. Went on penalties. Wow. Yeah, so it's, wow. it's one of those years That's where incredible. the boys clicked. Yeah, it was boys clicked. Um, we clicked for them. The parents. It was yeah, one of those where everyone was on the raw high. So where do you go from there then? Because I mean, as you say, that everyone's on a real high. What what happens next? Um, I think next is it's a scary bit for me, but I guess it was the right step to take at that time. So it was my third season. So just to repeat, I started off with assistant to one coach season one, assistant to another coach season two, and then this is where I mean by you'll help me so much with my pathway. He said to me that someone like would you like to take over your own team? I was like, mm, yeah, okay then. Um, I, I was kind of half thinking I'll work with Mo in another season and work with another coach for a season, but. I didn't think I'll have my own team, but when I think back at it now, it made sense, right? You've done two years of, I guess, like tutelage, and now you're getting new opportunity to kind of step out on your own. So, yeah, I took an under-13 team uh, with a coach called Craig, who quite a new club that time as well. Um, so part of my job really was to recruit that summer, kind of. So we had like a, a bit of a weird period from like March-April time but I was not working with Mo as much, and I was kind of half working with Craig to recruit players for our third season, my first season, my first season at the club. Um, that was what I was doing, really. I was doing all the admin stuff at that point, you know, emailing people, calling people, putting this together with players, writing down their names, their positions, and we'll, we'll make sure we can play. It all very exciting, really, because you've gone from working with someone and normally taking, taking I guess, um, advice to actually give an opinion and then saying again yeah, so what you're going to do and have a bit more of a voice it's exciting isn't it it really is um, it is yeah so in terms of recruiting for that that team how did that go did it go well um, did you get numbers in the end yeah yeah it was good i think what we were and i'll be, I'll be honest with you it's very much an all-inclusive team that one um our, our, our main aim as a club not my aim necessarily but the club's aim was you know, to give people a chance 
should always be the, the, the case, right? It's always be opportunity yeah, for players to, to play football. So as you can imagine, you know, new team. So not many players know each other. Some come from come from the same school, or they're not about together outside of school from like the same park, for example. But it was various schools all around the Wembley area and some outside of Wembley as well. Um, different group of parents, all quite new. Um, and it was a case of, you know, just starting from scratch, really, a brand new team. So it's all stuff that I think you have to do with a new team, isn't it, really? About the philosophy, ethos, excuse me, um, team bonding, lots of silly games, early season, you know, things like Bulldog and not even football related, but things that will mm-hmm. get, you, get you smiling because they're fun to do with a friend. Yeah, um, and that was that was the real challenge. But the aim for Craig and I was to, to get a bond with these boys, and hopefully the football and the quality will follow. And how did it feel working with Craig? So as I say, you've you've worked with Mo, uh, you've now you've also worked with Sage. How did it feel working with with Craig? Was he had a completely different personality to what you'd worked with? Yeah, very much so. So Craig and I were quite similar. So. Um, a lot of coaches, when they get into coaching, particularly at a younger age, it's pretty much a, a full-time role for them uh, because they're out of college, for example, or not really university, and um, they want to get involved in coaching. Um, for me, for my journey, I was, I've been working full-time the whole time away, so you know, rushing back from work in the evenings, do sessions, and I find time that way. And Craig was the same. We're both in our 30s, both similar in the sense of late developers getting into coaching. Um, and I think that helped us because we can kind of bounce off each other because we both knew that you know we're doing this purely for passion and purely for the enjoyment. Um, there was there, there, there was nothing else keeping us at King Jordan. In fact, that we wanted to develop and get these boys to be better. Um, and we both had our own personal issues, as in you know how do you fit it in between you know a really busy day at work, you get home, you get changed, you're knackered, but it's a motivation to get to the session, deliver it well, and. The boys or the girls, whoever you coach, usually pick up your spirits. You know, you forget about a tough day in the office once you're out of the pitch and you're working with great kids. So, yeah, I felt a lot of synergy with Craig. I think he had a different, similar mindset um, to what we wanted to do with the team as well. Having experienced maybe a, a small snippet, a small insight of, of that rushing rushing from work uh, to, to come well, is it rushing from a hard day at work to uh, to go and deliver a coaching session? Um, I have to say, you know, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it um, sometimes because it is so difficult, isn't it, to, as you say, go there when you've had a really tough day and, you know, almost like leave it at the door, put a different cap on um, and bring the energy levels uh, back up again. And, um, exactly. Have a yeah, session. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I, I think the key there is sorry to interrupt, Danny, but no, it's, it's, it's different hats, isn't it? Because you know, I, I can either be a youth football coach who works in the office, or someone who works in the office is a youth football coach. No, it's one or two, really. <laughs> but either or, um, I think it was a case of you know, once the the job nine to five was done, it's switching off and being fully focused then on giving the best session that you can and putting on that different hat, that jovial bubbly hat, <laughs> a bit more fun, a bit more laid back, a bit more um, a bit more mellow and not so you know intense to look at spreadsheets for a day. <laughs> <laughs> at that point, was there any sort of uh, clashes? Did you have any clashes or, or crossovers with work at all? Um, yeah, a little bit. I, I guess like most jobs, you know, there are moments um, where you, know, you finish a bit late and you hope to finish and 
So you have to also communicate really well with your your colleague there, and that's quite important, I think. Is let them know as early as possible. I might be a bit late or might cancel tonight, and can you run a session yourself? Um, so yeah, fortunately it happened, um, but not much, thankfully. You know, I had a workplace who knew that you know coaching was important to me, so I was able to balance it quite well, I think. Good. So that first season as a as a as a lead coach, I guess. Um, how did that go? Um, mixed, if I'm being honest. Um, I think because it's so new for a lot of the players who hadn't really played any sort of football before. Before that, this is this is what I meant by the the skill base was completely varied. There's some players who had been at the club on and off who were finally in the team, which is great for them. There's some players who had been in the team called Bengals team with Saj, who had left that team to come to my team because they were guaranteed more football because the Bengals team was maybe played at a higher level, higher division, for example. Yeah. We had some players who, like I said, literally it's their first um, opportunity to work in a coached environment. They've been players who played in parks or they're playing the streets with their mates for a couple of years, for their formative years. And it's the first time to work on sessions and drills and understanding the game. So I just imagine with that melting pot of talent at varying levels, um, some games were great and some games were awful. <laughs> um, I'm laughing because you know, it's experience, isn't it? It's the playing, it's the competing, it's the learning, it's the developing. Um, I didn't really think too much of that season about results. It was more about like, who's getting better, who's engaging, who's enjoying it. And if someone's not, okay, uh, tailor session to make it more enjoyable to everyone. Uh, do we have to maybe work with certain players one-on-one a little bit more, etc. That was That was it for me that third season. How difficult was it for you to, as you say, you've, you've touched on a subject that I think a lot of people uh, can resonate with where you have uh, maybe a, a group of extremely talented players um, and then you've got yeah, your players who are maybe just getting into the game. How, how, how did you balance that and juggle that um, up in your, in your coaching sessions? Um, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, maybe there isn't a particular right or wrong way, but how we did it, as in um, Coach Craig and I, is that we just... I guess we, we mix them together, um, but then we'll get individuals, different challenges. So um, in a group, for example, where some of the stronger players were mixed with less ability players, we'll give strong players more sort of ability. So maybe we'd have to lead part of that session or they only play the ball with their, their weaker foot or they have to do a little bit more once they complete the challenge. And for lesser players, we wouldn't necessarily scale it down. Um, but what we'll do with those players is we'll just kind of win it. We've got a bit, intense for them or a bit fast pace we'll take them out for a bit move to a different group keep it varied i think that's the best way to do it from my perspective anyway is give the, the talent players a little bit more of a challenge and the letter players just get them playing and don't make it difficult for them let them enjoy the game really and, and hopefully they'll start to learn through osmosis and playing around better players as well great so moving on to that that second season as a as a lead coach, your fourth season now in coaching. Um, how did that plan out for you? Okay, so this is a very you know, <laughs> this is a film which should, which should, they should never be commissioned. Autobiography. <laughs> or, but autobiography. Is this, is, is, is this where all the money, the the value is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is the challenging one. And um, for anyone listening, um, you know, if you, if you if you've had a season as a coach where it's gone a bit wrong, then you know, just hang in there, because you know, I did, um, and there's positive at the end of it. Um, but to answer your question, um, 
the second season league coach, I think Craig and I both had this belief, and rightly so, I think, at the time, to sort of prove these players as much as we can. So the first season, as I mentioned, transition, getting to know each other, having fun. So who cares about the results? But now they're 13, turning 14, to get a bit more competitive. Um, uh, puberty hits, so some players getting stronger, physically more intelligent, sorry, physically better, mentally more intelligent. Uh, but we thought, that can we, can, we, can we give them a bit more of a challenge? And what I meant by that is, can we start to, you know, maybe have a bit of a trial system um, in place where, you know, players have to really push for their place in the team and if they haven't passed the trials, we give them feedback and then give them clubs in the area which we can maybe go to. Uh, at the same point, we can bring in players who are new uh, and retest them out and see if they're fully part of this team. We basically want to create an environment where the players are not challenging themselves, but also hopefully getting better. Because we didn't want it to stagnate after a, a fun first season, but with that's a progression. Um, but it was difficult, really, really difficult, because some of the players just didn't adapt well to that change, I think, in the coaching style. Um, as coaches, maybe Craig and I, in the reflection, maybe could have done it a bit differently, but I'm not too sure how, because we want to challenge ourselves as coaches and get better. And we still want to just be basically like, you know, um, babysitting people and then just glorified, you know, just, 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 yeah, just sitting there and watching people play football. We want to kind of test ourselves as coaches and help players. But um, some of the players that season, for reasons outside of football, I think maybe just, you know, changing the attitude and, and changing their psychology just became really disruptive. And it was a season where I had to do a lot of, I've been too deep soul searching really and find out, you know, is it for me anymore? Don't want to do this because you can imagine, you know, you spend three or four hours a day before going through session plans with your coach. You get there and then within half an hour, don't want to play football anymore, just messing around, play fighting. And that was quite a lot. So, yeah, that was a really difficult season for me, that fourth season, I've been honest. What did that soul searching look like? Because, I mean, sometimes. From a personal perspective, I'll look at I don't know old old team photos, or I'll look at um, maybe um, old sessions, old session plans, and just think back to memories and good memories. Um, yeah. What well, what was it for you? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think what Craig and I did, and this is what I mentioned about maybe could have done a bit better, is we thought okay, let, let's scale it down a bit. So we went from you know, being quite hard on the boys, and we wanted to push them to. Okay, let's let's bring a bit more of the fun back and make it a bit more enjoyable. That helped a little bit. Um, but what I really did to Soul Search is to be a bit more proactive and do some self development. So I remember I went on there was like loads of coaching courses which I'm sure whichever FA county you're with you're aware of. Middlesex um, FA did quite a lot of free ones which are great. And there was one about um, managing behaviour within the team. I remember getting one of those courses, for example, and there's little tips, for example, like what used to really wind me up was someone will bounce the ball when I'm talking. Yeah. And I used to think that's so rude because I'm talking and I'm giving you instruction and you're bouncing the ball. But that behavioural session I went on taught me that that's maybe that child's way of listening to you. They're, they're, they're listening to you and they're engaged, but they need to be doing something where they're listening. That's how they remember. Um, so sometimes I'll be I'll let it go. And then sometimes I'll just make the rule of, you know, you're back to sport if you want, but when I start talking, you put it underneath your foot. And they'll, they'll be like, okay. And then I realised that when I said that, they'll stop, they'll listen, 
And then when I finish, they'll bounce the ball again and then go and do exactly what I asked them to do. And I thought, oh, so maybe I'd have to be so strict and so stern. And maybe my soul searching is that, you know, I was taking the baby a bit too, a bit too personally. And maybe just boys, because I wasn't a boys team at the time, just being different at, at different age groups, really. And you've got to just maybe give them a leeway sometimes. But then know when, at what time to rein it in and be, be a, a bit more disciplined. That, that was a challenge for me. Yeah, I I can definitely relate to the ball bouncing one. Um, I think <laughs> <laughs> with uh, with a recent sport I've been working with basketball, um, and I, I don't know how how people do it. Like you know, obviously I've come from a football environment outside, but you hear someone bounce a ball. I'm thinking, how on earth can you hear me? You can't hear me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I could barely hear myself, let alone you hearing me. But yeah, I mean, you, you've raised a really good point. And especially with the CPDs in the time that we're currently in with uh, the lockdowns and all that, that's that's something I know a lot of coaches are trying to do some online CPDs at the moment. Yeah, um, I must recommend that. So, uh, yeah, that, that sounds like a really good one to do the behavior management one um was that an online one or was that uh uh workshop i'm sure there's online versions but the one i meant to was a workshop which, which i i i'm a bit old school i prefer that i know it's difficult of this current environment because of the lockdown um so i'm sure there are online ones there but hopefully when the restrictions are lifted and people are able to course again um yeah we could get some people to go in these workshops because i think the workshop you always ask questions and talk to your fellow colleagues as well because they're obviously there for a reason and share stories a little bit but yeah yeah cpd is always important as a coach it's always looking to learn new skills so um you you're obviously looking at some of the cpd as part of your i guess reflection during the season um how how did things end up that season did did you get to where you wanted to get to at the end or was it still a, a work in progress I would love to sit here and go, yeah, we worked out really, really well, and everyone's positive, and the season well, but it didn't really. That team sadly expanded at the end of that season um, for various reasons. Most of it was because a lot of those players um, were focused more on other things, really. They're turning, they're turning 15, um, you know, other uh, outside activities, you know, socializing with friends, etc., maybe school. It was mock year, year 10 in that regard as well, became priority. So, in that season, I was really thinking to myself, like, what, am I going to stop coaching for, for a year or a couple of years? Am I going to leave? Am I going to do something else? Because the team I had was gone. Uh, Craig, that season, had also decided to leave. He was going to move to Birmingham. So, the oh. guy went with two years and left as well. At uh, which um, point was that, was that um, sort of communicated with you? That, you know, obviously... I assume Craig, Craig telling you that he's he's obviously moving is is quite a, a big uh, that's a big big bombshell to to be dropped on on you. Um, when uh, when was that dropped? Yeah, yeah, I think that that's pretty much in the summer. He he had kind of inferred that he was thinking that way, um, but it was it was yeah pretty much around that July time when he said yeah I'm, I'm definitely leaving. Um, I've got a new job in Birmingham, etc. So. I kind of knew at that point, okay, but that's the end of our relationship as a, as a partnership, which is a, which is a shame, uh, but obviously wished him well. Um, but yeah, I think at the time, I was just, yeah, a bit unsure what was going to happen next, really. Um, Yule had just left the club as well. So it felt like a bit of a, a transition period for the club in general, because we, we had a new chairman who's been at Pirane. Uh, we've got a new vice chairman around that time, which was Harry. Uh, no, we'll see. 
um, two great guys who worked with in the club. Um, and I was yeah, I was really unsure that summer what was going to happen next, um, as I know what team I'm going to manage and coach. But to be honest with you, I, I was really feeling quite down at that point about the whole coaching aspect because it was my fourth year in, um, and I didn't really feel as if I was progressing as far as I would like to progress from a personal perspective. So yeah, it's a difficult time in general. And then what happened from there? What 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 was so you go into, I guess Prani Prani and Harry have this have a conversation with you as to what what team you work with. Following yeah yeah season. yeah yeah exactly. So we sat down that summer. Um, I said you know you know thanks for your support with the team that expanded. Uh, but yeah, what, what happens next? And then certain Benny Cook was mentioned, uh, someone who will want to work with a team. Um, Mo, um, as he mentioned in his previous podcast, um, was stepping away from the boys team at that time. So that team was down there as Kinder Saints. Um, they just gone into the under-15 level, that, that age group, and they didn't really have a lead coach. So the club at the time was really unsure what to do next. And then, yeah, it was proposed to work with Danny, you. <laughs> and, I, and I said, yeah, he seems all right. <laughs> this is a decent coach. I'll, I'll give him. I'll give him my time. Oh, too kind. We we got talking, and then yeah, um, as you know, but obviously this is don't know. We had a, a productive summer, didn't we? We sat down, we talked about players, the recruitment process, we're going to play system wise, um, what our players we want to bring into the club, the attitudes, and then yeah, I think I think you. I'm not saying this you're, obviously you're talking to me now, but I think you're speaking to someone, fresh voice, fresh ears supportive it was really helpful for me from a personal perspective because i thought this is why i'm here is because i want to work with people who are committed and are positive and want to improve players improve teams um and then yes yeah, so that, that, that that fifth season was working with the under 15 boys team oh thank you that was really really nice <laughs> um okay so this is where it's going to get really interesting because i think we've we've Obviously, with um, my podcast with with Mo, um, a lot of the experience was with a younger age group, and uh, I, I guess I mean for us, it's now uh, quite a quite a long time ago. Uh, but I don't know about you, but this 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 season that you're now coming on to feels like only yesterday. Uh, That's so for me. I'm, yeah, I'm really intrigued. So yeah. Uh, Wow, uh, what a season! <laughs> where where do we begin with that one, Abram? Eh, um, from a personal perspective, because obviously we worked together, but from a personal perspective, I've got to be honest with you. I feel I feel I believe that sometimes in fate, and I do feel as if the trials tribulation of that fourth season almost had happened. So I can really appreciate a good team, working with a good coach, and working in a good environment. And I'll admit that last season was my last season as a coach, but that fifth season was definitely most enjoyable because I had developed at that point as a coach. I'd had ups and downs and I really had to push myself. Um, I worked with someone, you, who was really, as I mentioned, supportive and positive and full of ideas and real enthusiasm. And on top of that, I had so many really, really committed, positive players who were so willing to push themselves to the limit to help the team. Um, so that perfect synergy, really, is everyone was in it together. Parents were, were involved. They were supportive. Players were supportive. Um, and, yeah, for, as, a, as a coach, it's a bit better than when you have everyone on the same page, one together for the same goal. Because then all you have to do, really, is just push that that you know, that train together and, and they'll go on its own momentum, really. 
Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the um, obviously the the attitude of the the players was was fantastic, but the parents as well, the buy-in we had from that group was was something really special. Um, yeah, and yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely missed that. But um, yeah, so let's let's go to. I can't. We we didn't have any friendlies that season, did we? We must have just gone straight into a. Not really, a, no. Like, we 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 started the summer a little earlier. Then you were away for a bit because you went back home. Yes. So I did about two or three sessions like late August. Yeah. And that was that was that was intimidating for me because I knew how good Mo's boys were. That was I know, as I mentioned earlier, is fight is very technically like gifted coach who gets the best out of people. So Palmy was like, you know, I've got a, um, they don't really know me that well, and they know me as Rob because I've watched and observed. I've never coached them, so that was my opportunity to kind of sell myself to them as a coach, really. And that was good because I had like three weeks in the summer of just running sessions, getting to know the boys, building the group together, fun stuff, mixing some technical stuff, mixing within some like really like like difficult stuff, challenging stuff as well. Um, and then yeah, and then by the time we came back in September, we were like a week or two before the season started. So yeah. most of the boys have been back at that point, training for a little bit. So I thought we were like semi prepared really early at season, which helped as well. Yeah, and it, I think off the top of my head, the first game we was meant to have, we won't go game by game, but I'm just going to. <laughs> just don't know about Elf, I've for that one. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole series that one. It's one podcast yeah, a game. Um, but I'm pretty sure, pretty sure the first game we was meant to have was a cup game. Um, and I'm pretty sure that game, the other team didn't turn up. And the reason why I remember that is because I was meant to be refing at, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. at um, AFC Wembley. And one of the teams pulled out of that game. <laughs> and then I hopped on a bus, went straight to the ground. Um, where were we? We were what JFS, weren't we? JFS. Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we got there, and the ref turned up. We turned up. No other team. Um, from memory, that was. Uh, I mean, unless I'm dreaming it. Um, but that was the start of our cup run. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and, and the brilliant thing is, we started with a win, Danny. We started with yeah. a win. Clean sheet, yeah. three points, which is, which is what happens when you get a, a forfeit win. <laughs> Not good for the boys, really. Check the side because obviously they were they were excited about that the first game of the season. But uh, yeah, that that was time I cut from that. Yeah, exactly. I think from memory, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, was that the first game we had laid down? Because um, or or were we still searching for a goalkeeper at that point? I think we're still searching. I think I think Leif yeah, was like a, a ray of sunshine, like two weeks into the season. We just turned up. I went, oh. He's a goalkeeper and he's really good in goal. He's a lovely kid. Yep. He's good for us. So, no, that was still the embryonic days of having no goalkeeper, but having to rotate, I think, within the team. Yeah. And as, as you know, for anyone listening in, as, as Rob has pretty much described there, um, we started the season without a goalkeeper. Um, I'm pretty sure in that last season, because obviously I took over a bit from Mo in that last season, like previous to, to us two working together. Um, I'm pretty sure he lost or we lost Reza. Um, at that point, we lost our goalkeeper. So they were rotating players. And you know, obviously, they were, they were doing their best. And the boys were really, really in high spirits. But, you know, you could tell they were missing a goalkeeper. Um, so, yeah, that that's, that's interesting. So I remember, I don't know if you remember. Um, I don't often remember the team name. But I do remember uh, the 
the the the game we played uh the first league game um we played oh it was the opposition coach was i think a friend of yours or um yeah, I think, might be, I think it might be Russell Rangers, I think. Maybe Russell Rangers, I'm not too sure. It may have been. Um, but, I mean, from memory, I believe we won that one, didn't we? I believe yeah, we got yeah. a good start. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can remember very early on, you and I were both quite, and please correct me if I'm wrong, we were both quite pleased because um, you know, we came in, we had fresh ideas, but the boys took it on straight away and they were really positive about that as well. And then... It's very much one of the scenarios, I think, where we had the ideas, they had the ability, we put both together, and that led to us having, yeah, I think quite a strong start to that season, really. We were challenging for the for league very much from the first couple of months. Yeah, and <laughs> I guess as we as we get maybe a few months in, where, where was the turning point for you? Where did things um, change oh. a little? Um, we lost a few players um, to other clubs, which happens a lot of youth football. I'm, I'm sure you're aware, Wellington is aware. That was a factor. We lost two of our best players. Um, and also, I think, and I'm, I'm sure this is all you're alluding to, I think, a big, a big complacency fell in. We had something to start to the season that I think some players thought we were better than maybe what we were. Um, a typical thing of, of a team that's gone a good run is that, you know, certain players, they would like to switch off. Uh, but that was difficult for for us to, to deal with at the time. But yeah, that that. But for me, that, that was still a positive because that was a challenge for me as a coach from a personal perspective. Because I thought, okay, they've had this before. A team that's been running a run. Like, how do we keep the the momentum going? And how do you keep them engaged and challenged? And that was the the next step for for me as a coach really to to work on that. So um, before we get to the. Because what did we did we do a, a social before Christmas off the top of top of my head or was it after Christmas? I think it was in the New Year. I remember so maybe in the New Year. Okay, so in that first half of the season, was there any um, standout moments for you? Um, there's a couple of games. There was a particular game, I think. Um, and this is like any coach had this scenario. I'm sure grassroots level, you have. 12 players who are confirmed, or 13 players confirmed for 11 side match. Great. Got 11, you got your two subs. Brilliant. Ready to go on Sunday. Saturday night, everything's confirmed. You do your team sheet, your notepad, everything's up. You your whiteboard. Brilliant. You get there Sunday morning, and then people are running late, right? And then you're calling around, you're texting people, oh, where are you, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's one particular game, it was before Christmas, where we had to start the game with 10 players. Yeah, uh, I know exactly the game, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the opposition were good, so that meant that if a one player was down, I gave the massive advantage, uh, and they took the lead, um, and they were playing particularly well. And I remember two players arrived literally about 10 minutes into the game after they scored. Um, so immediately we met to 11, and we had one sub. And then we came back and won that game. And it wasn't just the fact that we came back and won. It was the fact that we had 10 men, heads went down for a bit. They were struggling. We got a player back into the team. Um, we got we got working again as a group. And then what happened is that everyone started pushing each other even more because we knew we could, say we could still win this game. And then to turn it around and win was a very proud moment for me as a coach from a personal perspective because... I think I said in the podcast that we did previously before that you can't avoid to be to do. 
that um, my biggest kind of like um, hope when I work with a club or a team particularly is that they never give up. There's always that mentality that, you know, even if we lose, we're given the team that we played against the toughest game of the season. And that was definitely the first time I saw it with that team anyway, that there was a real resilience there. They really battled to get that victory and I thought, wow, this is a brilliant team. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that for me was probably my second favourite game. You you obviously know about the other <laughs> game, but my second favourite game. Um, and I think you're right. I, f- I feel the performances on that day was, was just incredible. Um, uh, how, how do you, how do you sum that up? Like, how do you sum, sum up that feeling after the game? Um, because... Sheer euphoria, that <laughs> literally, <laughs> I, I got a lot smiling, and it's, it's crazy because I don't know if those boys even remember that game. I'm sure I hope they do. No, I they, they do. do. They do. They do. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, one of them obviously he don't score that often, poor Leon. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he started scoring now. He's he's now turned into a goal scoring machine. But, uh, overlapping, overlapping fullback, yeah. Yeah, well, that, mean, that was the first game we saw that ironically. But uh, we digress. <laughs> I mean, that game he was incredible. He was incredible. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyway, let's let's move on to the social now. So, what was the idea behind the social? Why did why did we do a social? I think because we enjoyed it so much, weren't we, as coaches? I think because this group because they're, they're getting older and we can have conversations with them now. We're not so much you know you do this and you do that. It's more of a why are we doing this and what do you think can work. Um, and obviously, I'll speak for you and I'll let you give your opinion in a minute. But for me. It was so case of going. We wanted to kind of reiterate what we were doing that season and get some positivity, but also as a, as a thank you, really, for such a good start to the season. To just be out of that mindset of not a training pitch, not a football pitch, just you know sitting down in a restaurant, having a chat, socialising basically, and building a bond. Yep, bang on with me. Yeah, in terms of, it's, I think it's nice to see people in different environments. Um, exactly. And, yeah. You know whether that's whether that's players that you work with or whether that's um, a boss at your your workplace or um, a family member. Sometimes you need a change of environment, um, and and then you get a whole new experience. And um, yeah, I, I I found it really interesting and um, really successful. I think um, I don't know how you felt coming away from that. I don't I know the boys enjoyed all the desserts and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The appetites were a lot more than I thought they would be. <laughs> they were surprisingly. <laughs> but yeah, I can your thoughts. It, it was, for, for, like I said, I can speak about myself really because I don't want to speak for others. But I, I'm glad the feedback was positive from the boys. I'm glad you enjoyed it as well. But from a personal perspective, yeah, all, all I really wanted to do when I got to coaching was to have a team that I can have a bond with, a connection with, and that I knew. Um, were, were happy to be a part of the club that I work with. So to see them smiling and joking, like you said, outside of the coaching environment was, was so cool. You know, it was such a lovely moment because you know, they're, they're human beings, they're not footballers. So it's been human with them again. So following Christmas, we, we go into a, a bit of an interesting patch. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. How would you sum up this patch? <laughs> Uh, this, yeah, this this is I, I kind of briefly referenced earlier. This is the, I guess, to slight nonchalance and a bit of blase attitude started to creep into the team. We knew we were good, and we were good. Um, as certain players who were really, really good within that team 
I think it's like Bleeder and Hype a little bit. Um, and we had a succession of games, really, where we're playing against some very average teams. I disrespect to them, but they weren't as good as, as we were, in my opinion. Um, but we were just finding ways to lose. That's the best way to pull it. We were letting teams beat us. Um, and that was frustrating for me as a coach because I wasn't doing my job, I, I felt, as getting back from that team. Um, on top of that, I don't think the players were giving themselves justice because they were going to games thinking they'd won before they even kicked a ball. Um, it happens in real life. It happens in football matches now where teams are under the opposition. Um, so I can't criticize them too much for that. But when you spend a whole week working on something because you know that team's going to do it, and then they do it and score from it, and you have nothing to respond, you're like, well, what's the point, really? You won't listen to us anymore. Um, that was tricky for me as a coach. How did you feel all the time? Frustration. Frustration, I think, sums it up. Um, yeah, like like you said, we, we you know, no disrespect to some of those teams that we played, but we had a, a more able team, um, and we would probably play better football at times, but just we would find, as you say, we'd find a way to lose the game, whether it would be. Um, and I think in some of those, I think at that time, we obviously still had Leif, we still had a goalkeeper. Um, but I think we would do stuff defensively that would um, hinder ourselves. So I, I, you know, we, we'd make mistakes when we probably, you know, you're thinking, why on earth are we making these mistakes? However, um, as I'm sure you've, you know, you can understand and um, we as a club, I guess that's the philosophy is um, players to learn from those mistakes and, and develop off the back of it. But uh, I don't know, for me, it was frustrating because it was not one game. It was a succession of games where we we would we would make these mistakes and, you know, we could be really, really good for 99% of the game. But that one mistake costs us. Um, and it was just, it was so silly. It was so silly. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I think it definitely challenged uh, myself and you as coaches because we, we had to somehow get these guys out of this mindset. Um, and off the top of my head, I can't, you know what? I cannot remember how we did it. I cannot remember I'm how sure, we did I'm it. I'm sure you do. I mean, my previous discussion about my fourth season, which was never, never a disappointing one. I couldn't. We, I, I couldn't, and I could. The coach I was working with find a way to to dress the slides. But on this particular occasion, I think we did. So, first listening, um, sometimes I think you have to make more decisions as a coach. And I'm not saying this is the right way, but it certainly worked on this occasion. We dropped our basically our two best players. <laughs> yes. They, 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 they ironically were the ones who were making. So they were attackers. So you quite rightly mentioned that we're making defensive mistakes, which can happen at youth football. That's fine. But what I was annoyed with, actually, I didn't mention this earlier, was that in the second third, we were so blasé. We, 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 we weren't running, we weren't shooting, we weren't passing. We weren't working together as a team. We were being selfish and very, very indulgent. Um, so what we did, and I'm sure coaches um, did this in general, was we had to think of a way to kind of make us a stand. So we gave players who were working hard and training, but maybe weren't as gifted as the other players, a chance to shine and we basically said to those players who weren't performing who were so so talented take a step back and we didn't tell them in advance we didn't brief them we literally did a team sheet did a team talk and said you two three are on the bench and these guys are starting and you heard audible kind of like gasp i don't remember it within the group yeah. like what 
And he went, he went very quiet for a sudden. And you and I was like, okay, that's fine. We'll carry on. We'll start. Um, and then we started the game. And then we said to those who were on the bench, do you know why you're on the bench? And you know what? They knew it. We hadn't said a word to them beforehand. But they said, yeah, we haven't been playing well enough recently. So, you know, that's my point as a coach. Is their players aren't stupid. They know when they haven't given you 100%. Um, but sometimes you need to maybe, you know, be a bit firmer at the, at the time and, you know, say to them, okay, we're not going to play there. <laughs> as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Even though you're so gifted and talented and we really need you, you're not going to play because you don't do as much as a player next to you who's giving you everything. Um, and he's maybe not as gifted as you are. But I know I'm going to get a performance out of him. I'm not so sure about what I'm going to get out of you. Um, but the positive is, is that that led to us playing against the best team in our league, who are undefeated. We had our best players on the bench. Madness from the, from the coaches. What are they doing? Uh, we go, we are one man down. <laughs> exactly. Parents signed banners against us and petitions. Uh, we go one nil down, I think. Yeah. We equalise. Yeah. Yeah, we bring on our two best players. Just to, hang on, sorry. Just to add a bit of context to the. Sorry, the, sorry, I'm going to carry away. Yeah, gone. Who did we? Who, who? What? What happened? Who scored that goal? That one-one. Do you remember? Okay. Uh, was, it, was, was it was it a Java goal? Was it was that, was that the one-one no, goal or no? No. no. no so. Oh, was um, it on Nashi's header? Was it? No, no. <laughs> I forgot about Nashi's header. No, so. Um, this one, and this is where I, I, I love this game. I really do love this game. I think this is a, one of my favourite games. Um, and I think as a coach, as coaches, we played that perfectly. That was our perfect game. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel the pride of that. There's one player you forgot who scored that, that equalising goal. And we started ahead of uh, Java and Anashi. And uh, that was a new signing. Oh, broke, yeah, broke the records. Yeah. So yeah, talk, yes, before, yeah, before sorry. We back into that game, talk to us about that signing, that masterstroke signing you pulled off. <laughs> so this feels like a, like a bit of a self-indulgent period now, because all we're going to do is praise ourselves. But well, um, I mean, this, this was this was something <laughs> special. This was something special. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to tease you a bit here. I know you're, I know you're the anchor of this, of no, this episode. I know, I know HTC. But I think your player ID is a bit off at times, Danny. Got a bit. As, as, as a great coach you are. Uh, so anyone listening, there's a, a tall, about six foot two, six foot three, fifteen year old boy called Gab, um, who was so humble and sweet and a very kind kid. He came to trial with us, um, and he had trialed a week before I had seen him. So I must have been like made busy, unfortunately, in one week and didn't have a chance to see him. So I said to Danny, "Oh, who's this new kid called Gab? He's huge." <laughs> He goes, oh, yeah, he, he plays as a centre-back for CDM for his team. Um, I think he could be quite a good defender for us. I'm like, okay, cool. And then we split a drill together, didn't we? And I think you did a, a drill, and I did a drill. And mine was more tech-based. I had Gavin in my group. And it was, it was a very simple drill. You know, I fed the ball to someone's feet, they'll spin, turn, beat a cone, and shoot. And he was beating this, this cone within two touches, putting in the top corner, the bottom corner, every single time. And then I started putting cones in the corners to hit and um, bibs in the top corners to hit. And everyone was missing these cones because they're quite hard to hit, right? Big goal. Sorry, small goal even. And yep. he hit them every single time. And I said to myself, this guy's a striker. He's a natural finisher. Wow. Um, I, I guess to give him one day example of a bit of a, of a Harry Kane or as you call him, Gabby Kane. So I said <laughs> to Danny at the end of the session, like, he gives me a how, how's Gab? I meant, He's a really good striker, you know. I think he should play him up front. 
And he went, right, okay then, which is what was why I love working with you. You're always open to these suggestions. And then, yes, you're right, he's scoring his debut. So there we go. That, that's, that's hard work yeah. to me and you. Player yeah. ID there. We found the player, found the role. <laughs> And then the fruition is he scores his debut within like 10 minutes. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it was a free kick as well. So Harry Kane-esque that. Uh, yeah, top corner. Yeah. Well remembered, man. Yeah, I mean, it was, that's why I'm saying this game was easily one of my most favourite games because of all the context, all the all the stuff that sort of built up towards that game. I think, you know, obviously you, you, you identifying Gab as a striker was... Uh, a master, a master stroke. Um, <laughs> he was clearly just clear. He was just practicing his clearances. That's all it was. He wasn't shooting. <laughs> Something like that. So, actually, so anyway, that something. Sorry, because we yeah, don't want to digress too much. I don't want to be too long a podcast. The drama with that game is that our goalkeeper, Leif, mentioned earlier, who's been brilliant so far that season, really lovely kid, really good goalkeeper, good athlete. He he gets injured halfway through that game. So that was quite a bad hip injury, sadly. So he has to go off. Um, and then we put our striker, who we just literally we just mentioned that week, he scored his debut. We put him in goal. And he's amazing goal as well. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's like if, if there's Hollywood film or, or grassroots football, I want, that, I want that match to be at least in the, in the reference notes of what, what a team can do. So, yeah, just mad. Absolutely mad. Utter madness that game. Utter madness. Because when when uh, Gab scored that goal, do you remember we we turned to Java and Anashi, who obviously were dropped because of um, as, as Rob discussed at the start, the the form and the the attitude and application. Um, and uh, we, we do you remember what we said when we turned to him? Yeah, like, like that, that's that, that's a competition basically. Yeah, <laughs> was there? Yeah, they were like, nah, no, no competition, no competition. <laughs> and then I, I mean, the next bit is a bit storybook, but I swear to you, like, they testament to this. He was there. <laughs> it happened. We brought on um, uh, Alnachi and Java, and she scores a header to make it two-one, <laughs> which is yeah. he's about five foot five. <laughs> they make they make it two-two. Uh, and then Java, who um, was our best striker really at that time, scores one of the best goals I've ever seen in new football. Um, I can't describe it. I'll let maybe I'll let you describe that, Danny. But he scores oh. a wonder goal, and we win three two against the best team in the league, who were unbeaten. Absolutely emotional scenes. Really, really good. Yeah, uh, I mean it's so difficult to 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 put words that even give. Uh, give Java's goal value really um uh, it was probably just in the opposition's half I think it was on a counter he's volleyed it and it's it's I don't, I don't know it's just flown in it's just flown yeah. in yeah but the bit before that as we put it at it um is that he gets a he flicks over someone's head yeah then it bounces and like you already said the half time he volleyed it to the top corner just yeah, but that, that, that's all we're in it right Jake just I do laughing a lot and having a, a trip the memory lane here but um that's that's why we're in coaching, right? And that's that's why I felt like my journey had come to that point as a coach where I'd be like, wow, uh, this is really like this is five years ago, this is why I want to get into this. Not just for the win, <laughs> that helps. <laughs> but it, it's just the uh, players buying into what you want them to do and and it's not just for you, it's for them. Because they enjoy that game, but they enjoyed it more because they knew they had to fight for it, and they enjoyed it more because they knew that they had to perform to their best ability to beat a really good team. Um, and also everyone else helped out as well. You know, everyone did their bit 
to do what they can to help the team win and to get a result. Um, and yeah, that's a very proud moment for a coach because you know, what more can you ask for your players and give you everything they've got? And they did. Yeah, that was that was a really special game. Um, yeah, really, really special. So how how does things move move on from there? Yeah, so I guess this is the natural end point, really, for, for my time as a coach. Obviously, off that natural high there, I couldn't get any higher than that, so I had to step away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so I guess with most things, I, I mentioned earlier that um, I was working full-time pretty much throughout my, my time as a youth football coach. Um, I changed roles in that time in my own life in a new role. And I was, I was a bit concerned, really, because I, I guess from my perspective, like I said earlier about commitment was really key for me when I first started coaching. And I, I was scared that although I wouldn't be able to get out of work at certain times, we'll be able to commute there on time. Um, so I kind of talked um, potentially about doing something else with the vice chairman and the chairman of the club. Um, but on top of what I was currently doing as a coach, I was going to be coaching and also working more as a club secretary. Um, so this will basically be me working more like a, to give it a bit of spin, like a technical director, really. So I'll work with the coaches and support them. Um, set up fixtures with the league, sign referees, but also be like a um, a reference point for anyone coming into the club to work with as well. Um, but unfortunately, I felt as if I couldn't really commit my time anymore to coaching and supporting the club in that aspect. So, yeah, that that's when our, our dream team ended, Danny, where you and I no longer were able to coach together anymore. It was sad times, very sad. And, you know, I, I, I do generally... I, I said to obviously yourself um uh, you know the club are obviously missing out on a good coach um but obviously your situation is is your situation and um you, you've got to make best with what you've got but uh no it, you know seriously if you ever have that that, that feeling to come back then honestly do because uh there's some some players that will really benefit from you. I knew you know that. I mean, that, that that's a deal. We're a team now. Like my brain can't be a Taylor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> love it. Now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's brilliant. And um, so, just briefly touching on your new role, um, how how does it feel now? Sort of taking that step back and 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 being almost like an observer for some training sessions and oh. support for some coaches. Wow. It's, it, it is really different. Um, I think you're just seeing, cause I, I see a lot of myself and a lot of the newer coaches, you know, is that enthusiasm and that enjoyment, but maybe not fully understanding, you know, what's going on and having to learn from that. Um, I just give so much grief to <laughs> the chairman, the vice chairman before <laughs> about referees not turning up and all these kind of different things. And, Pictures coming in late, but I now know obviously work with different leagues, how challenging that part of it is because you don't get the information straight away. Referees cancel last minute, uh, pictures are looking waterlogged, etc. etc. So it's that side of it, it's the it's the part of it which has to go on in the background for a club to work. We don't really see because you just see the sessions of the coach, you see the matches on the weekend. Um, and then, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's that kind of support. You know, I, I've worked with you post our time together with a coach to work with your team to see how you're getting on. Obviously, you did a brilliant job with under 17 boys, but Thank you. Um, it's, 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 it's also the case with you know, new coaches who are coming into the club and making sure that they have the right idea of what we're all about, what we're aiming to do. 
Um, I'm making sure you just feel part of something special because we're a special football club. Um, so that that's my role now, but it's more about just giving back in that perspective. So no longer on the pitch, but behind the desk, but still involved. <laughs> still involved, <laughs> still involved. And we're very thankful for it. Um, looking back, um, uh, as we as we now get to the real end of the uh, the podcast, um, looking back on your your coaching journey, is there anything that you would have done differently? Oh, wow, <laughs> I know it's a very deep question. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love it though because you get me thinking. Um, my my regret, I think, and I've got to be honest with you, is that 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 season before I went to view, we had that difficult season with the players. I think I was far too lenient. Um, so I think anyone who's coaching is having difficulty with the discipline aspect of their team. Um, so by me discipline, I mean you know, turn up on time, be punctual, you know, be respectful to the coach, um, you know, stop listen, listening to what you have to say. But be honest with them, talk to the parents, talk to the players, um, have a meeting with the group as a whole. I know as a club right now, we're very big on team meetings, but I was too late in that regard. I didn't think of it back then. Um, do whatever you can to build a bond with your players and with the parents. And hopefully that will give you some leeway you know, when you have to make difficult decisions, you know, like leaving somebody out or playing them in a different position, for example. Um, so, yeah, if I could do something differently, it would be you know, how I approach that. that that's a tricky fourth season, really, and how I would cope with players who are disruptive and difficult to work with. And if there was an aspiring coach listening in, um, hopefully there is, um, what would be your one bit of advice for someone who wants to become a youth coach? Um, it's never too late. You know, I, th- I think I'm hopefully an example of a, a late developer, really. You got into the game, you know, age of 30, very, very raw, um, but through you know, learning and working hard and listening to people and taking good advice, managed to improve as a coach and develop as a coach and hopefully help some players within the club. So, yeah, it, we'll get, wherever your age, get involved. You know, it's fun that you left the club. Speak to the coaches that are there. Um, and then, yeah, just, just, just give yourself a chance. Never, never say never. Always give yourself a chance. Brilliant. Great words there. Um, thank you very much, Rob. Uh, that's brought us to the end of the podcast, would you believe? It's been a great conversation. Yeah. Um, thanks so much, Danny. No problem at all. And how can anyone listening in um, follow you on social media if they want to follow your, your coaching <laughs> if they, journey? If, they want if to it extends. <laughs> no, no, no. They will. They will. Trust me. <laughs> um, thank you for asking. I got it wrong last time. So on, on your podcast, um, because your philosophy, like, I mumbled this. So the best I can here. So I'm on Twitter. If anyone uses that medium for or social media. And it's um, Bobby Mann, so it's B-O-B-B-Y-M-A-N-Z. Perfect. And if someone wanted, who was listening in wanted to join Kinja, how can they, they go about finding the club? It's a great question, Danny. So anyone listening who has um, a friend, relative, we have so many different age groups from under eight and under nine, all the way adults, football, men, women, boys and girls. So please get involved and contact us. Um, the website is uh, kinjafc.co.uk and all the information will be available from there as kinjaf, K-I-N-J-A. Yeah, great stuff. And if, if someone's a coach as well, please, yeah, if you're interested in coaching, please visit the website as well. I'm pretty sure there's uh, something on 
on the website for for applying to to, to get in yeah, touch. Well said, Danny. Yeah, if you, if if this coaching journey has inspired you in any way, <laughs> are you thinking about getting involved? I'm sure he has. Yeah. Then, then yeah, then please please email us and get in touch. We'll be happy to hear from you. Brilliant, Rob. As always, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, as I say, thank you for giving up your time, and I appreciate you sharing your amazing coaching journey with with everyone listening in. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you for me, Danny. Stay, stay, stay safe, everyone. Stay well. No, no problem. Uh, just before the end, uh, just a, a quick little plug. Uh, <laughs> as I was speaking to Rob <laughs> off air, trying to get the podcast on Spotify and iTunes. So hopefully by the time this podcast is up, we have got the podcast on Spotify. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Um, hopefully within the post or on, on this YouTube video, or if you're listening on Spotify, well done, fantastic, you're already there. Um, there'll be a link so that you can listen to it as well. Um, and if you wish to follow me on social media, it's on Twitter at DannyCook1996 and obviously Halftime Cupper at Halftime underscore Cupper. Um, and until next time, as, as Rob has alluded to, stay safe. Um, enjoy the lockdown period and um, hope to see you guys in another podcast very, very soon. Take care. Bye, folks. <laughs>